0: Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash malicious compliance, where people follow exact orders to spite someone. And in this episode, it's all about bad bosses again, guys. That's right, Karen bosses are learning lessons they won't forget. Guys, I hope you enjoy the stories today. Don't shake your heads too hard. And as always, you can send or link your post to this email right here. Let's dive in. So my dad owns a small vending machine company, and for years, one of his accounts was a local grocery store. He had a couple of machines in the back in the employee areas that were there for years. It was a weird little break room. It was on the second floor, up a narrow staircase in the stock room. To get the machines in originally, they used a forklift, and they put them through a cargo door on the second floor. Years later, the store had been bought out by a bigger regional grocery chain, and they decided to redo the whole back area. The new manager asked my dad to remove his machines, as they were going to tear down the break room. So we went down on the weekend to remove them, and asked if they could lower them from the cargo door for us. Hearing that, the manager flipped out, and flatly refused, telling us it wasn't her problem and to try to take them down the stairs. We measured everything, and we figured out that they were simply too wide to go down the narrow staircase, and tried to explain the problem to the manager. Her reply was, this is your job, don't get us involved. You either cut the damn things in half, or I'll get a sawzall and do it myself. And that was her critical mistake. The machines were very old and destined for the junkyard anyway, and she had just graciously offered to cut the machines in half for us. So with that, we went upstairs. We took the stock, plus the valuable electronic parts from the machine, and we left the useless shells there for her to sozzle at her pleasure. At the time, I had a friend who worked at the store who I explained the situation to. She told me that the manager was awful and she was widely disliked, and then told me some not-so-nice names they referred to her by. A few days later, she called me up laughing. Apparently, they had planned to do the demo overnight and to open in the morning, but on the night of the demolition, there had been a major problem. There were two vending machines still up in the break room, and they had deemed it unsafe to destroy the structure with them up there. Also, they had removed the forklifts due to the construction, so there was no way to get them down. Eventually, they literally had to attempt to cut the machines in half, but they were pretty tough, so it took way longer than expected. The end result was they ran far over time, and they had to keep the store closed an extra day to finish the teardown. The manager was still in charge there for a couple of years, and used to glare at me anytime I was in there shopping. Friggin' amazing malicious compliance, and hey, she even said she'd do it herself, right, so that was on her. I just love how OP continued to see that manager for years after, and I know he didn't mention it, but it would've been fantastic if every time he saw her, he was like, hey, so how was cutting that vending machine in half? Did you end up using that sawzall you said you were gonna use? So a few years back, I worked retail for a big box store that was mostly general goods, but had a grocery section and an obsession with the color red. This retail store also has a policy of pulling store staff up to work the registers when it's busy, and it's a mandatory policy. So at the time of the incident, there was a new front-end manager who will call Linda, and a new manager who will call Tom, both of whom were ready to lay the law. The precursor to my own malicious compliance incident was a day like any other, When the call came out needing assistance at the registers, I was reasonably free at the time and had a second person in the grocery department with me, so I responded. After about 10 minutes, the rush ended and the regular cashiers had lines under three. And I turned off my light so I could go back after my final person in line. No more than 30 seconds later, Linda comes over, and she snaps my light back on. And she tells me, you can leave when the rush is over. To this, I turned my light off again, and having no other people left in line, I said, the rush is over, there's like three or less people in all other lines. Later that day, I get pulled into Tom's office and I get told the gem that makes my malicious compliance possible. Tom tells me, You can't leave the register until the front-end manager says you can. They are the ones who judge when the rush is over, not you. And they will turn your lane off when you can go. Now this statement is coupled with a disciplinary form, which he and I both sign, that includes the stated policy in the notes. Fine. Q. two weeks later. I'm in grocery, stocking a freezer, and we get a call for cashiers. I'm by myself at the time, and there's no one else there. We then get a second call, and then a third call specifically asks for me in grocery. So I go over to the walkie and say I'm by myself. Tom responds that I will cover grocery, no excuses. And again, I think fine. So I go up, work the register for like 10 minutes until the rush slows down. I then continue working the register. I continue working while Linda goes on break and continue working while all the other dedicated cashiers have no line and are doing the display stocking around the registers. I continue working register until one and a half hours have gone past, and Linda finally comes over and turns my light off and says, with a crap-eating smirk on her face, Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you to go back. So with that, I head back to grocery, and the three-quarter pallet of now-thawed meats, seafood, and dairy is still where I was forced to leave it. So I take it back to the damage out location. I log it and go about the rest of the day. As I'm about to clock out, I get pulled into Tom's office again. This time, to discuss how I destroyed company property through negligence, and that there was going to be a meeting with HR the following week to discuss how I would be covering the cost of damages, and my potential future employment with the company wasn't looking good. After that, I spend the next couple of days creating a log of events that can be fully supported by the wealth of cameras that are on the front end, in addition to copies of the signed disciplinary form with a policy that I followed and a written notice of resignation, with stated reason for doing so, just in case. I enter the HR meeting and Tom says I'm liable for the lost inventory and the plan is to garnish my wages to the tune of $2,500. That's when I place the log of events and a copy of the disciplinary form in front of HR and say nothing. She reads both documents while Tom's still trying to impress upon me that I'm absolutely screwed. After a few minutes, the HR lady looks at Tom and says, he was following policy that you established. That Linda was negligent in executing. I'll discuss this with the store manager when he gets in. HR then sends me on my way. And guys, nothing gets the store manager in a worse mood than when his earnings are hurt by product loss. The aftermath wasn't really that exciting. All the front-end managers had to go to a training session about proper procedure for pulling store staff to the registers. And a new 20-minute maximum was put in place. As far as I know, neither of them was encouraged to pay for the damaged goods. And the world turned onward. Oh man, thank goodness OP decided to document when they did, guys, because it really saved them in the end. Also, I'm just imagining Tom's expression when HR told him that OP did their job correctly and didn't have to pay that $2,500 that was thrown at them. With that said, though, like, I don't know how grocery stores are run, but having an employee cover the cost of damaged goods and having it garnished from their paychecks doesn't seem right to me, guys. If you've dealt with a situation like that before, let me know. Like, it would be crazy if employees are held responsible. Like, maybe... Maybe a little mom and pop grocery store, I might see that happening, but not at a big box chain like OP was employed at. A few years ago, when I was in school and job hunting, I got this interview at a company for office work. It was for filing, answering phones, setting appointments, etc. I was looking forward to getting an office job, instead of retail or fast food. The building had big window walls that overlooked the parking lot, so you could see cars pull in and parking. So I pull into the lot and park my car. I then get out and walk into the office. Now as I'm walking in, I notice that there's a car parked in the handicapped spot right in front of the office. The car looks exactly like mine, I should note. I walk in and I'm greeted by the manager who I'd be working for, who kind of gives me a scowling look. It did make me uneasy a little as we walked back to his office. We then sit down, and he's asking me interview questions in a bit of a clipped tone. The guy seems annoyed by my answers, and I don't understand what's going on at this point. Finally, he says, Hey, do you always park in handicapped spaces? Because I hate people who do that. Hearing him say that, I'm confused, so I ask him what he means. He then goes on a rant how entitled I am for parking in the handicapped spot at a potential place of employment, and I'm just getting even more lost. I asked him what's going on because I didn't park in a handicapped spot, I'm parked in the lot. He then argues with me, and he says he watched my car pull in, and he saw me park there and get out and walk to the door. I again told him that I didn't park in a handicapped spot, but the car that I walked by in that spot looked similar to my car. He says he knows that he saw me park and get out of the car. At this point, I'm over the whole interview. I knew this would be a terrible place to work at if this guy's managing it. He then goes a step further and he says to me, Prove it. Go out there and show me that it's not your car. So I grab my purse and get my keys out. I don't even bother waiting for him. I just leave the office. The guy's jogging after me and he hurries outside to stand and wait. His face went from smug arrogance to confused as I walked past the car in the handicapped spot. He then asked me where I was going as I walked over to my car, and then I turned around, made eye contact, as I hit the button on my keys to unlock it, and then got inside. He was starting to walk over to me, calling out that he was sorry about the misunderstanding, and that I should come back and finish the interview. I just put my car in reverse and left, I didn't even make eye contact with him as I drove away. This was my second interview, so the manager knows what I and my car look like. I don't know why he said he saw me. I'm assuming that was a lie to get me to admit that I did it. No idea. Yeah, guys, I would say that OP dodged a bullet there because if he's that condescending and accusatory when it comes to a parking space, like imagine what it would be like actually working for him. And guys, what's even more messed up is what if OP actually had a genuine disability and needed to park in that spot? Like, being able to walk a short distance to a door doesn't automatically make you not handicapped, sir. And also, I'm pretty sure it's very frowned upon to bring up something like that and grill someone about it during an interview. And this person comments, OP should have told him, I'm sorry for doing it. I deserve that you tow my car. Please do it. Please. Wouldn't that have been something? So I used to be a store manager for a frozen yogurt shop that's part of a larger chain owned by a family. Not Menchie's big, but still more than a few stores. As such, I worked in a store where we had a large walk-in fridge and freezer. We also had a district manager named Jane, who was known for ridiculous rules and stern punishments for even the smallest perceived infractions. Once, the power went out in the plaza I worked in, and as such, we had to turn people away because we couldn't dispense product or take payments. I was almost fired for closing in the middle of a workday for that one, and I was shouted at in front of customers, called incompetent, even with documented proof of being unable to remain open. We also worked alone, which will be important, Anyways, you've got your picture of Jane. She was a joy and a delight. So one day, I was working away. Before unlocking the doors, I went to grab some yogurt from the freezer. When the door closed behind me, I pulled the handle, nothing. I hit the plunger, nothing. I was locked in the walk-in freezer with jeans and a t-shirt. Luckily, I had my cell phone in my pocket and I was able to call a co-worker to come let me out. I then called Jane, obviously shaken up, and I was told, well, don't let the door close. I'll deal with it later. Well, later turned into four months of bothering her because, you know, a walk-in freezer that locks from the outside is very dangerous when you work alone. We found solutions to try to keep anyone from becoming stuck, including a sign on the door to never enter without a jacket, and your cell phone in case it managed to fall shut. We had five more cases of door prop slipping and staff becoming stuck before Jane paid a visit to the store. The first thing she did was tear down the sign because it's an eyesore, and she started shouting at everyone that we should never have our phones while working for any reason. She then left, still no fix in sight, promising to cut hours of anyone caught with phones, even in the freezer. Fast forward another month and one more incident of someone getting locked inside and this time, having to be rescued by a customer, who she screamed the back room lock code to. So with that, Jane arrived shortly after opening one day to discuss the freezer. Immediately, she tears down the new safety sign, and she starts telling me how I need to start listening to her and stop being so stubborn. While we're arguing in the back room, the front bell rings to let me know there's a customer. Jane tells me to serve them and that she'll stay and finish up some paperwork before leaving. Also, before leaving, she makes me show her that my cell phone's in my backpack because, quote, Phones are against company policy, you know that. So with that, I leave to serve the customers, who it turned out were a small softball team on their way to a tournament. About 25 minutes later, I was finished with them, and I was about to quickly mop the tables when I realized that I hadn't seen Jane leave, and she usually didn't stay that long. I finished cleaning up, doing some restocking, and that's when I heard it. Unmistakable shouting and banging on a door, coming from the back room. So I put my ear to the door and then turned up the store music a few notches, and then gave the bathrooms a quick refresh before opening the freezer to find Jane. Jane was shaking with a rage and fear combination that I've never seen before. I then put on my best shocked face and say, Oh dear, you really can't let that door close. How long were you in there for? I really wish you had your phone on you so you could call me. The door was fixed the day after. Wow, guys, like, I love how Jane only had the door fixed after she was trapped inside of it. And I think if I were an Shoes, guys, I would have left her in there a lot longer to really teach her a lesson. And seriously, months of that door being broken like that, I'm pretty sure it's a serious safety violation. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people will agree that Jane needs to be fired, because being that negligent, especially when it comes to employee safety, is a huge liability. For free shipping and 365-day returns. Many years ago, I worked as a programmer for an oil and gas automation company. This means we would design and build the computer systems for oil and gas plants, commission them, and support the operators during day-to-day operations. Because of this, my company ran a 24-7 support phone. Every week, a member of my team would get the phone and would be expected to answer calls 24-7. We had enough people on the team that it would roughly equate to getting the phone twice a year. Most of the employees of this company were salaried, and the 24-7 phone was written into their contract. For every phone call they took, they could charge a minimum of one hour in bank time. This was a good deal for them and made the 24-7 phone easier to handle. With that said, I was a little different than my coworkers, in that I wasn't a salaried employee. I was an hourly contractor. My co-workers would bank their time, but I was just paid out bi-weekly. My contract also stated that if I was being paid by the company, I had to be available exclusively to the company. This was added by their HR department because a few years before, they caught an hourly contractor running side jobs for other businesses at his desk. This also meant that if they wanted me to be available exclusively to the company, they had to pay me for my time. For two years, I knew the 24-7 phone existed, but I never had to take it, because according to my contract, if they wanted me to be available, they had to pay my hourly rate after normal work hours, to ensure that I was available to answer the phone when it rang. Then, as in most corporate stories, my completely awesome manager left for greener pastures, and was replaced with an absolute tool. After a month of being in the office, he decided that it wasn't fair that everyone took turns on the phone except for me. He then declared that I would be put in rotation effective immediately. Now, I didn't want to cost the company a ton of money, so I tried to explain that if I'm on the 24-7 phone, that means they'll have to pay me 24 hours a day for 7 days. The guy scoffed, and he told me I obviously didn't understand how business worked. Again, I tried to tell him that he didn't understand how my contract was laid out, and that I'm an hourly contractor, not a salaried employee. He then insisted that I be a team player, and I had to take the phone or look elsewhere for employment. I didn't want it to seem like I wasn't a team player, so I accepted the phone, and then I started my clock. Seven days later, I hand the phone off to the next guy and submitted my bi-weekly invoice. It came out to just over $10,000, with $8,400 being just that one week of having the phone. I waited about 15 minutes before I was pulled into the manager's office. When I arrived, the manager, the head of HR, and the manager's boss, the head of the department, were there with my most recent invoice sitting on my desk. The department head just looked at me and asked me what the hell I was thinking when I gave them that invoice. I then explained that the new manager insisted that I take the 24-7 phone, even though my contract clearly stipulates that if the company wants me available 24-7, they have to pay me for every minute I have the phone. The new manager became redder and redder with every word. When I was finished, the department manager turns to him and asked him why he didn't know this, since it's common knowledge that no contractors are ever put in that kind of position. As he was stuttering for an answer, the department had dismissed me and told me to expect my check at the usual time. And the best part is, during the entire week I had the 24-7 phone, it only rang twice. Both during work hours and both calls asking for a specific person in the department. All I had to do was give them a phone number. And those two three-minute phone calls cost the company $4,200 each. After that, the new manager pretended that I didn't exist and refused to talk to me for three months until he was moved into a sales department. I was at that company for another two years, and I never saw that phone again. Holy moly was that malicious compliance ever sweet, guys. Like, not only did OP teach his new boss a lesson, he got a fat payday over it. And I'm also assuming the manager got demoted since he was moved into sales. With that said, though, like, that totally could have backfired on OP, right? Like, the fact that the company just honored it and didn't try to dispute that outrageous invoice is pretty darn awesome, if you ask me. This is from the 80s. I was the East Coast expert on a big mainframe company, Network Gear. I was associated with a manufacturing plant, but I did customer site visits to help field engineering either install or more often fix installations that weren't working. On customer visits, it was suit and tie. Since I often worked in computer rooms, I never wore white shirts because of the dirt issue. Normal for me was a striped button-down shirt in blue, pale green, etc. One day, I fly to Boston to work with a sales droid on configuration of a system that they were trying to sell to a big bank. The sales droid tells me, minor change. First, we need to go to this mandatory sales droid meeting headed up by the regional VP of sales. So we get there, and it's a sea of white shirts and ties and me in my colored shirt. I sit in the fifth row. The room has about 50 to 60 droids. The regional VP then gets on stage, doing his best, excite the troops to go out and sell millions speech. There's clapping, cheering, etc. Mid-sentence, he sees me and he stops. He says to me, Hey, you. Where's your white shirt? Looking around, figuring he may be talking to me, so I point to myself. And he says, Yeah, you. You in the blue shirt. All of my staff. Everyone that works for me wears a white shirt. I say to him, okay, that's good to know, thanks. He says to me, thanks, get out, and don't you come back until you're wearing a white shirt. I say to him, you want me to go and not come back unless I'm wearing a white shirt? At that he says, yes, get out now. So with that, I get up. I walk to the aisle, turn, and go, hey, do you know who I am? He says to me no i don't effing know who you are and i don't effing care get out i then say out loud super then for the rest of you i'm actually the east coast expert in networking product out of this company and i work for the director of engineering there so i don't work for him and it's unlikely i'll be back since i don't own a white shirt so with that i left and flew home and i get frantic voicemails from the sales droid about his customer The next day, dropped into the director of engineering's office to give a trip report. He starts off with, So, you were a big hit at the sales meeting. He then tells me, The VP of sales called to apologize and wants you to come back. I tell him, Nope, that's not gonna happen. If he comes here wearing a colored shirt and apologizes to me, I'll consider it. The director tells me he's not gonna do that. I say to him, Fine, I'm not traveling to that region. I'll talk to people on the phone. I can do my job that way just fine. And then walked out. I called my sales droid and said we'd work on the phone. I'm not coming back up. The droid's not happy, but he understood. A week later, reception calls and says that I have a guest. I go to the lobby and there's my director and the regional VP of sales wearing a blue shirt. I got the best apology ever. Guys, I'm glad to know that OP got the apology, but man, talk about a power trip, right? Like, even if OP worked for the VP, the guy was a jerk for calling out a person in a big meeting over a shirt color. Again, I'm just glad he got knocked down a few pegs that day. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you did, hit that thumbs up. And if you're not subscribed, consider subscribing so you don't miss these crazy stories. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, it's in our slash petty revenge episode, where a Karen tries to harass her neighbor, and she gets taught a lesson she won't forget. Go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you.